Good day, listeners, and welcome to today's episode of Say Word. Say Word is a podcast that we started. The goal is to inform, to offer diverse perspectives and add a touch of humor where appropriate to events happening in Toronto and in our world that our listeners can connect with. Now, we started this podcast to give thoughtful and purposeful perspectives. Toronto is home to us all, hence the name, and we want to leave you with content that is a good use of your time. As usual, I am your host, Ahmed, for today's episode and helping me make today's episode a success. I got my man Hirsch, a.k.a. the Fresh Prince of Black Twitter. We got Kay, a.k.a. Cali. We got Hassan, a.k.a. the 10th wonder of the world. We got Batter, a.k.a. pretends to hate TikTok. You can't stop going on TikTok. Gentlemen, how is everyone doing today? Good. Good. uh, Good. Doing all right, man. All-Star Sunday. Around the corner. I don't know what around the corner, what corner you live on. <laughs> it's cold as hell right now. You haven't seen a couple of these sunny days? Come on. Bro, the sun is deceiving. deceiving. The sun is deceiving. The sun is calling people, bro. Yeah, Stop. exactly. No, but Tuesday's going to, I think Tuesday or Wednesday is going to be like 10 degrees. On paper. I will it's different. It's on paper Bear. and what really got, happens out here. We got skeptical brothers here. Man, man, I was I was trying to spread some cheer. Hello, let, let's go to the uh, All Star game then. Let's move on from that. Yeah, I mean today, today the All Star game is, is happening. Is um, it's going to be a bit lackluster because they're doing everything in one day. Um, These live sporting events just look strange without a. Yeah, yeah. I, I did watch that though. Don't have watch the same zest. Yeah. All right. On the topic of yeah. basketball. After a great start, we got two phone rings. So Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> God damn. <laughs> take what care the heck, brothers? Yeah, yeah. Shout out to blue jeans, man. Shout out to blue jeans, man. Because I think we took it for granted, you know? No, I mean? blue jeans yeah. we took for granted, man. Yeah, as long as, as long as you don't pull a Michael Tubin, man, we're good. <laughs> Lucky you were on audio. <laughs> Seriously. Anyways, on the on the topic of basketball, since we were talking about basketball before we, we were interrupted, uh, Kyle Lowry. The pugnacious all-star point guard from Philly who's experienced every possible playoff high and low in his seven years in Toronto. All he does is keep getting off the mat. Now he fights on with a championship ring. Toronto Raptors franchise great has been in the middle of trade discussions for the last little while. And I think the reality of Lowry leaving seems way more real now, given he sold his home in Toronto, surprisingly at a loss in, in today's market. With the trade deadline approaching us towards the end of March, Lowry's in the final year of his contract. It's uncertain whether he has a future with the Toronto franchise. And I think it makes for a good discussion with you gentlemen as to whether or not Lowry should be traded or stay, given all he's done for the organization. And I think one point or one good point that an opinion piece of the Toronto Star recently mentioned was that the clarity of whether he should stay or whether he should be traded doesn't come easy, given that where the Raptors are performance-wise, they're not holding a high-ranking spot in the conference, nor are they at the bottom of the barrel either. Batter, given you are the Say Words Toronto Raptors expert, you know, what are the series of decisions someone like Masai has to consider? Well, right off the bat, 
question you asked is uh, what what do you think Masai should be doing? And I think that actually brings up another question, which is what is Masai doing? Like, where is Masai going after this season? Like, is he going to be around? Oof. Uh, is he going to be around to, if we resign Lowry, if he decides to stay, right? Is he going to be around, right? So I'm not too sure it's as simple. A lot of people are just like, yeah, we should be trading Lowry for some pieces, but it's a it's lot not, more complicated and yeah. more nuanced, right? So 100%. the other questions you ask are who's out there, right? Like, who can we get reasonably, right? Um, and who is he going to go to? Does going to that team, let's say it's uh, a team in LA or uh, maybe another team in the East, maybe uh, Philly. A lot of people say Philly because he's from Philly, right? I obviously wouldn't think that a lot of people would be happy with him leaving to go to a team that's a contender with the Raptors. So that's why I think the, the LA destinations or places in the West makes more sense. Again, can he win, right, if he leaves? Um, I'm a fan of uh, making a move if there's an, a move to make. But if you look at who's out there, like, like the, the Drummond trade kept coming up and I'm like, run the other way, please run the other way. And then there's, <laughs> uh, there's I'm going to be real. Yeah, a lot of people talk about Drummond. Oh, he's great. He's rebounding great. I'm like, he's rebounding his own missed shots. You know what I mean? He missed a lot of shots within five feet. Watch this guy, okay? Don't just look at the stats. It's hilarious. Uh, right? nah. I'd rather have Aaron Baines getting dunked on, you know, at a cheaper cost than giving this guy 20 mil, 30 mil a year, right? So, mm -hmm. anyways, the decision you make with Lowry affects, like, the next, not, not, not year, but next few years of the Raptors. I don't know what improvements we can make this season i feel like we have to wait for the offseason and see how things play out right the team hasn't been playing too bad they've they made a push too great in the last either. while yeah so, i don't know I'm, I'm interested to see how the season plays out more more so I, I was a big fan of trading before but now i don't know if we should force a move you know so for you better than just to clarify your 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 point it it's first it's not clear as to like the the the, the decision is not as black and white yeah. Um, and from the perspective that you're coming from is like, what's what's kind of the upside or what's in it for the Raptors organization yeah. by doing so? And it it doesn't seem like the, the the choice is obvious. But what about, and gentlemen, maybe uh, other gentlemen, you want to chime in here. You know, what role does loyalty, if any, play into the decision-making given like Lowry's history with the organization? Or should loyalty play any, any, any role or any factor in this? Yeah, on that front, he should be able to decide obviously with like the Raptors needs like being able to be met halfway like where he wants to go as far as if he wants to stay he should be given the option to stay if he wants to go they should make I guess the best possible situation work out for both parties I think at this point he deserves that for having stayed as long as he's done and um, brought as much as he has to the organization yeah the season's in a weird spot right now uh, yeah a lot of a lot of our players are out due to uh, COVID uh, protocols, so I think the last two games in a row have been uh, have been losses. When they when if we had like our full squad, I think we could have actually taken uh, Boston because they weren't playing well the previous game, and they they seem to be the ones we always have an axe to grind with because because of how uh, last year went in the bubble. Yeah, the prospects in the trade this in, in, in just trade talks this year is just not that great to pick from. So it, it just makes things that much more difficult. I did hear that his agent said that, uh, Lowry's agent said that the Philly trade rumor talks weren't true. But then at the same time, like 
how many times have players uh, representatives said the same thing only to make that very same move so we don't know but I, I guess we'll see I'm, I'm in favor of him and the organization meeting halfway to decide whatever they want to do but both parties should be listened to because they've they've given a lot yeah I think and we're in need of, of definitely of a change up because our biggest hole right now we have a bunch of guards but our biggest hole in my opinion is the center position that's where we just keep getting slapped at yeah, I know Chris Boucher is definitely stepping up right now, and I think he's always and he ha- and he has there. no choice. But he's not yeah. like a natural. Yeah, like him and Siakam have to play out of position. Yeah, I think to, to make up for Baines's issues. Yeah, Baines is okay. Like he can definitely bang in the post with like he reminds me of like uh, what's the guy in Boston's name, Tice. I don't know. I feel like he's more mechanically sound. Like yeah, he just he just gets the job done even if it doesn't look pretty well i know aaron baines stands on twitter going crazy they're like have you guys heard of the aaron baines fan club like they just yeah, tweet yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, everything yes, that have. anything everything but to answer Ahmed's question about loyalty yo this is the nba bro what did drake say he said uh trade you trade you off while you're in your sleep but that's a fact like i mean th- this is the situation with messiah like wasn't like darren it wasn't not darren demar derosen told like he's not going to get traded he was literally traded the next day yeah. so it's like there is yeah. no loyalty yeah like yeah. if you think for a moment that a gm or a you know, president of basketball operations cares about how much you've done for an organization. I'm sorry to tell you that they don't. Like, you have to and realize that the, the, the NBA is a business. So it's like, yeah, if they can get somebody better, in that case, Kawhi, if they can get Kawhi. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? For for DeMar DeRozan and mm-hmm. a couple other people, I can't mm-hmm. remember who they traded. But what I would, what I would, the move paid mm-hmm. off though too, right? That, that move did, definitely did, paid off. But what yeah. I would say is like on the flip side, when they did try to, when he did try to go or the front office did try to go for another high risk, you know, uh, wait out for Giannis type of thing, not give Ibaka. Now in hindsight, like we really need Ibaka, but in hindsight, not giving him the, the money that he, or the security that he asked for at least, which sent him to the Clippers and got us Baines instead. And we're doing a lot worse for it. He did the same thing, right? He went all high risk, and but this time it didn't work in our favor. If you're a Raptors fan, you look at the rest of the squad. Mm-hmm. There are guys who are obviously ready to step up, like Boucher, right? Mm-hmm. The window on the last iteration of the team is closed, basically. Trading Lowry now, when you can finish the season and you know at least at least make a push, at least try and do something in the playoffs and go out on a nice note. If you're going to trade Lowry, right? Uh, like he's not living in Toronto. He's living obviously in the United States because the season, because of the uh, COVID restrictions crossing the border. So it's likely that maybe they just finish the season with Larry and then look at what we can do in the in the off season, right? So um, and and it could be that Lowry selling his house means it could be window closed with Masai too, right? Like Lowry's decision could be tied to Masai. He could be like, well, if Masai is not going to be here, I don't want to be here, right? Let's just finish the season and and move on, right? So. I think, like you guys said, like we swung for the fences multiple times. We got Kawhi, we got a ring. You know, it worked before, and you know, lightning does, sometimes doesn't strike twice, and the window does close, and you have to restart or retool. You know, so I think sometimes uh, fans get carried away, like, oh, who can we get to, you know, make us a contender now? And I don't, I don't think after the win, uh, after the Giannis thing collapsed, I, I don't, I don't know what sort of changes this team can make. I think it's kind of a, a refresh time, you know, turn the squad yeah. over. The trade options are not that great. I was reading a CBS report um, on like some of the potential landing places and some of the people that 
they they made trade for and you know one of them was terrence ross the other was pj Tucker, evan fournier Get that garbage out of here. austin rivers <laughs> so there you know what i'm saying <laughs> all of them trash <laughs> so none of them are really going to move the needle so this idea that he's getting older and and therefore we have to ship him out i think it's short-sighted i mean he is a good role model for younger players i think he's he's, he's good in terms of chemistry with the team so i don't think there's an urgency button to like get rid of him unless you're getting great value and i think batter pointed out there's not there's not crazy value out there right now. So it's like you should pull the trigger, but you should only pull the trigger if you, if it's actually going to benefit the team, right? Moving on, though, it's tax season right now. And, um, you know, depending on where you are, um, you know, this can be either a season that you look forward to because, you know, you're getting, you're looking forward to a, a pretty sweet return or dreaded upon, depending on the year you had financially the year before. And I know for me with tax season, you know, one of the things I always look forward to is uh, my accountant. So I go to this accountant by the name of Abdelkani, really great guy, hilarious, charming. He's based out of Weston and Lawrence. And, you know, even though he, he does charge an arm and a leg, it's just a good time with him. And it's something that I look forward to every single year, just because of the company and the good conversation that comes with it. You know, which side of the spectrum, gentlemen, do you fall under? Is it, you know, a part of the year that you look forward to, or is it something that you dread and why? This is a useful tidbit actually for for uh, for our listeners. Uh, the end of April deadline, if you owe, matters a lot. If you don't owe, you can extend beyond that. But my tax guy and I guess all of us here on the call would recommend that you get that done ahead of time, just so you can avoid um, any problems. But uh, my guy is Mahmoud Thief, uh, awesome uh, tax um, guy. I recommend him one hundred percent. But yeah, but in years past, I think we'll get into it when it comes to the story time. In years past, it it's been a, it's been a cause for celebration. Let's just say that. Oh, especially no, the I, undergrad I years, one thousand percent. Especially the undergrad years, when yeah, the undergrad get the credit. Remember, people used to be looking forward to tax time, right? When you're when you're younger and you're definitely making yeah. under a certain threshold. But it's like there's like that critical moment where you cross over from being like you know, a person who's a recipient to a person who has to pay. And it's like, and a lot of people are not aware of that, especially when they start making money, they always think it's the same as, you know, what's been their entire life. So they go, I do my taxes, I'm gonna get some money back. It's like, nah, man, you got to think like that money that you got, it's coming from somebody. <laughs> do, you know I, do you know what I mean? So it's like, you're really crossing over from being a recipient to being a person who pays into that. But if you have a really good accountant, obviously, the objective of taxes is to lower your taxable amount. But I mean, I've been doing my taxes myself for a really long time just because I've found it a little bit easier. And But there's definitely times that I've screwed up. But uh, that oh, hard deadline, I, okay. wasn't, I, I wasn't aware that that hard deadline is like a big deal if you're making a certain amount. Yeah, it's definitely a bigger deal if, uh, if uh, you owe and you owe a lot and you're just like delinquent. But if you're old, the, the not as... I remember one year uh, I, I like filed really, really late. And basically, I was like paranoid about it. I'm like, oh man, they're gonna find me. The fine was like a little thing, and they were like, we'll just take it out of the return. Like, relax. Like, we just we're, uh, like we just just file your taxes, dog. Like, yeah, just, just do it before you. Uh, like, I we're mean, trying to give you money. Like, what? Like, trying to chase you down, bro. Exactly. So Thank I you. Didn't, like when I when I was in that that happened to me when I was an undergrad, and I was like, I had a very 
uh, limited understanding of like financial literacy and all that. And, you know, it took me a long time to learn, like, how does tax season work? I had a lady who did my taxes. Like, I never had to worry about it. Right. So uh, when I ventured into the adult world, it kind of was uh, a little confusing for me, you know. Um, I was going to say, like, you know, I was a lot younger. I was in my like early 20s or whatever. And I'd heard about Money Mart. Right. And your ability to do your taxes there. And the reason that a lot of people go to Money Mart is because they give you same day, same day tax return. Basically, they file your taxes for you. However amount you're supposed to, however many or however much dollars you're supposed to get, they take. And then once they're able to take that amount, you you pay the difference, right? So basically, like let's say you're gonna get $500 in taxes, like they'll give you like 400, they'll take like $100, but the benefit that you get it is like the same day tax return, right? So they'll take a cut, they'll wait for the full thing to come in, and then you'll get a little bit of amount. But I just remember not being aware of how to do my taxes and that how these all these things have implications, like in terms of like whether you're single, whether you have dependents, you know, all these other things. And so I get there, like I said, the place has like bulletproof glass and like there's all these uh, yes or no questions she's supposed to ask you. And then she gets to the questions about like, you know, your household size. So she's like, how many people in your household? And I'm like, well, like how many people I didn't I didn't even know what that meant. Right. Because there's a there's a legal tax definition for household. Right. And I'm just like, huh? Like, what does that mean? So then she's like, well, how many people do you um, how many people do you are you responsible for? Or do you live with? I'm like, I live with a bunch of people, but I'm like, I'm just myself basically responsible for myself. And then when she's asking the questions about like how many people in your family, I'm like, yeah, just me. And then she's like, you have any dependents? I'm like, no. She's like, do you have a wife? I'm like, no. And then she says straight up, she says, not even a baby mama. And I'm like, what? And like the way that she said it, she said it was such, <laughs> and I was like, that... she said it with such confidence that she was actually upset that I said no. Oh my goodness. And you could just like, I mean, it was, a, I think at that time it was at Jenna Finch because I lived near New York University and it's like, she looked at me like I was crazy. She's like, you don't have a baby mom. Are you sure? I was like, she probably you probably mistaken you for someone. Are you sure? Yeah, she I'm like, what do you mean? Mistaken you for sure. Like, I don't have a baby mom. Like, you know what I mean? But it was just the way that she said it. She said it with such uh, with such confidence that I was like, actually baffled. And whatever, you know, I ended up getting my tax return that day, which was like a couple hundred dollars. And that was like the first and like last time I ever went there. You know what I mean? I only went there because I think somebody recommended it to me. They were like, Hey, you can go and get your money the same day. And I was just eager, but it speaks to the point that Hirsch was saying about being greedy. Like if I just waited, I would probably get an extra hundred dollars and not even have to go to the next. And Khalaf, I think that's a question that's, uh, that's included in the actual money market questionnaire. <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> I think it more speaks to the institution you're in. You Do know? you have a baby mama slash baby daddy? You might be eligible for Exactly. You might be eligible for a further deduction. Um, tax season has always been something like you, like ever, you guys have all just said. It's when you're a recipient of something you're benefiting from. You you look you look forward to to how how great your returns are going to be because um, you're not you know you're not paying anything off. There's not too many responsibilities that you're looking into. But as soon as things flip and change, and you've made past a certain amount or whatever, then yeah, you start to dread the days as it gets closer and closer just just filling it out starts to become a chore and that's where the procrastinations always come in okay well we'll shift into our main topics and the topic i wanted to get into and i'm actually really excited about this your perspectives on it and it's civil disagreement now for me personally this is something that i've scratched the surface on in terms of my understanding i would for sure say i'm a novice on the topic but you know one thing you can 
easily conclude is that civil disagreement is something that's missing in our world today. Professor Ed Langerak, who taught at St. Olive College, which is a school in the United States, wrote a book on civil disagreement. And an oversimplified definition is being able to have conversations where two opposing viewpoints can engage in effective dialogue and engaging in a way that allows them to be true to their convictions while being appropriately, and keyword here is appropriately, open to those who disagree. Hirsch, you know, how prevalent would you say in your perspective is the absence of civil disagreement in our world today? And what does it say about the world that we live in? This is an interesting topic because I don't think that there's a lack of disagreement. I just think there's a lack of kind of willingness to engage, regardless of what side you are on the political spectrum. People just seem a bit more hardwired to their arguments and what they believe. And that's not to say that it's a bad thing to have conviction because there are situations where something is so inherently wrong, like racism, for example, where you're not trying to hear both sides, right? However, I think there's a few factors that come into play that I think really heighten this issue. So part of it is both the centralized and decentralized mediums that we use. And when I say centralized, I'm talking about like how local news outlets are in trouble. The news industry is struggling for cash. So investigative reporting has kind of been lackluster. The facts and details that you can receive based on like journalists reporting on these stories that require a bit more time. I think it's because of deadlines, because of the way news is disseminated, makes it an issue. Um, so it's maybe two or three major outlets that we all get our news from. Even in the Canadian context, you when you think about it, like you ask yourself, where do you get your news from? And then you look at the affiliates and you're like, okay, it kind of all comes into something like Bell Media, for example, right? And then on the other side, when I say decentralized, I'm talking about like social media. So you'll see a news story. And I think now there's this story I was reading about deep, deep fake videos where people can essentially take a public figure and replicate his face yeah like replicate their face exactly exactly so you think about the threat of that because misinformation is spreading like crazy already without that being like prominent yet and people i imagine how dangerous that would be for like for like people who are like hyper political like say like people who like for example a lot of trump supporters right if somebody did that for like the trump campaign and like they try to make it seem like he was egging on people in the capital, that would be insane. Or even the other way around, right? It's like very dangerous stuff. Exactly. So I think uh, it's definitely a huge challenge because people usually take a story. When you hear of a news story on Twitter, we're busy people. We don't have the time of day or even the care to really deep dive on a story. So you'll see two or three headlines and then you make up your mind about a story. But under the surface, there's a lot, right? But a lot of people are not willing to engage with it. So I find a lot of people actually disengage. Like I myself, I don't really talk too much on issues unless I'm willing to really research the issue. Honestly, it's kind of like self-preservation. I don't know about you guys, but I can't picture myself yeah. I'm combating these stories or arguing all day on social media. I think we don't talk a lot about is this nuance between accountability and hashtag cancel culture, right? Like, oh, I love that. Let's talk about accountability as it's almost cliche, right? And accountability, this uh, accountability to that. But once accountability comes, all of a sudden it's hashtag cancel culture, right? And I think Cuff raised a good point about, you know, Trump supporters. It's not just Trump supporters, it's populist politics in general. 
how they've kind of zeroed in on this. And it's not unrelated. You see it in the rhetoric that directly reference cancel culture and, you know, how outrageous it is and et cetera. Right. And I think, I think them not being unrelated makes it hard for, you know, we talk about the topic is civil disagreement, right? It makes it hard for us to separate, you know, certain stances on certain things are always tied to politics that are violent or are racist, right? So it's become difficult to separate those two. Now, that being said, I definitely agree. Like there are certain things that you used to be able to openly discuss and you just can't anymore. I kind of take Hirsch's stance where if it doesn't involve me, then I have nothing to do with this disagreement. Actually, just yesterday, someone asked me about uh, what's your stance on abortion? I'm like, why are you asking me this? Why do you care where I stand on that issue? Completely unrelated to what we were doing. And I'm like, let's just stay focused on what we are doing, you know? That's a good point, because I feel like sometimes people want to make snap judgments. What's yeah. what's the intention behind that question? Yeah, with something yeah. like that, like you can kind of tell, like, you're not really going to know someone's true thoughts performative or otherwise until they're in that situation why did this come up in the conversation for example did it, yeah. did it come up like randomly was it headed that direction or did he just like pull it out out of nowhere it's like oh what well, do you think pull about it abortion? Out of nowhere. he had this discussion and a major disagreement with wow. someone in his family and wow. he was asking me my opinion and i'm like leave me out of your drama i don't care <laughs> i don't care what you guys decide literally none of my business yeah none of my business none of my business certain topics i had a coin flip it's a disagreement right on site yeah. it's not the like lost art of disagreement there's like there's just topics that are so fiery right but then yeah. there's also on top of that there's another nuance where there is this kind of lost art because we're tying other topics to this topic right like oh okay if you don't like abortion you're also a racist and you're also from Utah <laughs> and you're also this yeah. and this and that, right? So you start yeah. tying other things and it yeah. snowballs into yeah. this kind of person that yeah. you hate, you know? There's also a level of like people feeling the need to say, quote unquote, the right thing so that they can look good right publicly but um in their private life they may do the complete opposite but mm -hmm. nobody's seeing that. The same level of scrutiny isn't on them whereas with celebrities especially with Twitter leaving a big footnote of things that they used to believe in or used to say, you can find that. You can search yeah. that. And there's yeah. like a track record, right? A lot of what's said on social media is performative and you can tell who's who as far as who really believes what they say and who's saying it just to say the quote yeah. unquote right thing and because exactly. of who they're around. Yeah, and, and I think on, that's the determining factor. And, and on that note, there's a difference between team being online in real life. It's like, I think most people who are rational are able to have these conversations offline. Yeah, it's like, yeah. we can talk offline and be like, yeah. oh, that's what you think. That's cool. It's like, we might have an actual conversation about it, but it's like online, everybody's caping, right? Everybody's like trying to get retweets. There's an additional something attached to your opinion. Like one person really put it well, because I was listening to a lecture on this around civil disagreement. And it's like, okay, like we have differing viewpoints, but that doesn't take away your intrinsic value as a person. But then like we see the complete opposite on social media. That's yeah. the thing with doing it online. It's like it's attached to so much more, but it's like, you should be able to disagree with your friends. You should be, that's, it shouldn't affect your friendship. It's just that you have yeah. two completely different opinions on something. It's like- That's I diversity can... of thought. Exactly. 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 Yeah. But it's like, when you do it online, it's like, there's this gotcha aspect, right? It's like, oh, like, I got you. Look, look, look what he's saying. And it's like, people are screenshotting and, and, tweets. And, and, and I think that's what's sad because crazy. it takes away from the actual issue and it makes it into the sport of, it's messed up that it's even, even yeah. regarded that way. But yeah. like, yeah, the sport of like, look, I got this, yeah. this very famous person. It was me. It was my tweet that exposed them. They 
they don't care about the issue whatsoever. Yeah, you, the you only thing understand, they care about yeah, is that they yeah, expose ca- catching somebody. And it's like you got to understand to the person who's catching you, they might go back in your timeline to when you were like 16 years old and you were just shooting from the hip on Twitter. It's <laughs> like the point, the bigger point I'm trying to make is just like you're not allowed to grow online. You're not allowed to make a mistake yeah. and be like, oh, you yeah. learned from that. It's like, no, you didn't learn from that. This is who you mm-hmm. are right now. One other point that I want to make on this is that part of it is people wanting to actually not solve the issue or not really have a genuine discussion about the points that need to be raised, right? So for example, when I say I disengage from certain conversations, it's not because I don't have a moral kind of um, hey, you're just not well versed about it. Which yeah, is, which is not well versed. Uh, people, people don't even want to say I don't know. My friend who asked me, like, I said, hey, I don't have enough information about what you're discussing with. There's certain topics like I don't have enough. I'm not smart enough for this discussion either, right? So yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to put my flag anywhere. I don't, I don't want to do that, right? So yeah, like my friend can respect that, and they did, right? Whereas yeah. if you're a public figure, you don't have that luxury. So yeah, I think it's such a nuanced discussion, but. It's become black and white, I think, by nature of how new it is in our society. Cancel culture is very, very new. And even for your example better, like, I think all of us agree on the call. A woman is best positioned to talk about decisions she wants to make with her body, right? So even in, in the case of abortion, like historically, we've seen men making the decisions in legislation, in the political sphere. And there's a lot of anger, right? Kind of that tone deafness. As far as I know, <laughs> there aren't any men having abortions. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so again, because we're on edge all the time, Seriously. I so many people talk about anxiety, depression, right? We're on edge all the time. There's like a snap reaction to that. But then when you think about it, it's more nuanced. It's me actually telling you, hey, I am not best positioned to comment on this. So instead of wasting your time and pretending I'm an expert in a topic I'm not an expert in, I think it's valuable for you to go research on if you're sincere again this is the thing i always come back to is like is this person really sincere about like getting to the facts or do they kind of want to weaponize like your answer and go and say like oh you know i was talking to batter and batter said this if i research the topic if i have lived experience with the topic like i can speak to it if i don't then i think it's best left but on social media you don't find that Right. You don't find that you find people just making like bite size, like really personal attacks. Like it's a political matter. And it's like, yo, like how are you talking with the haircut like that? You know, (laughs) I swear to God, I swear to God, it's like, you know, okay, you're kind of setting yourself up if you pretend to be a saint on all topics. Someone will eventually find out that problematic tweet you had back in the day. Yeah, it makes it more ironic. Yeah, irony is the word. And I like that distinction between, is there a sincere attempt here to understand the person with the opposing views point of view, or is it just intended to like attack them for whatever it is that they believe? Final topic. And it's on the case of West Coast streetwear and Nike. Ann Hebert, an executive at Nike, left Nike days after Bloomberg Business Week published an article about her son, Joe Hebert, the owner of a sneaker resale company. And he denied receiving any inside information from her. Uh, Joe, her son, was making a killing off of reselling uh, highly sought after Nike sneakers um, online. And personally with this topic, you know, one of the approaches that I, I took when like learning about it firsthand was I didn't want to condemn without looking at all the facts. 
I wanted to look at the various sources to get the different perspectives, a, a, i.e. civil disagreement. And at the surface, it sounded like a case of poor judgment and sloppiness, at least to me. You know, a VP resigns immediately after it came to the surface that her son ran a lucrative business reselling highly sought after shoes. Um, but I think coming to the surface, if you look at the, the topic more and more, there's a lot of like uh, shadiness that happens or that's been happening that are like unanswered as well too. Gentlemen, what would be your response to someone who, considering all the facts, doesn't see any violation in this? As we move to more re online retailers, I don't, I don't shop at Nike as much, especially online retail. Um, I, I refuse to download the Nike sneakers app because it's just I've seen people take L after L after L online uh, trying to get shoes and. Um, Part of the marketing strategy, I think, is like scarcity, um, not enough shoes available. Uh, so to see a kid like sit on top of hundreds and hundreds of boxes and then see the fact that his mom is an exec at Nike um, rubs a lot of people the wrong way, right? Because the whole, if you're creating an app, you're, the marketing ploy is that, oh, everybody's going to have a fair shot. We, we want to create like a fair marketplace. So you just got to log in. Um, so I think, I think people's anger is, is yeah, definitely uh, justified to some extent. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, I think the thing about her though, Ann Herbert is that like, she, if you look at the Washington post article, like she actually did the right thing. And she told them Nike about her son's business in actually 2018. Yeah. It's back in 2018. She, she, yeah. Yeah. So she wasn't like, Hey, like this happened, but I think like, do you guys know how he actually got caught? Do you know how her son got caught? The credit card statement, right? Well, no, he he has a friend. He had somebody who interviewed him at Bloomberg, right? Yeah, Bloomberg Business News, and and like it's just pure ego. Like the way he got caught is because he called the reporter, right? And he's like, "Hey, like I have to some extra news for you, or whatever." And then the when he saw on the caller ID, it said Ann Herbert, and he's like, "Wait, who the hell is that? Like, you, I wonder who his mom is, right?" And he just Google's it and he finds her LinkedIn or whatever or her page on thing, and it says she's she works at Nike, and here mm -hmm. he is. And here he is bragging about, oh, like, if you know the right people, you can do anything in a secret business. Neglecting to mention the right people is his mom. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and I think on the surface, too, like at, at, at the beginning, like, like it didn't seem like he did anything wrong. Right. In the sense that, like, it wasn't like for like the high priced Yeezys he was getting. He wasn't like getting them at a discount and then selling them um, at a profit. It was just like he managed to find a hack to purchase all of these shoes in bulk through like uh through bots or whatever yes, bots, exactly yeah, through bots and then yeah. and then selling them at a higher profit which is like what resellers do anyways but i think where he got like where it was like where i was like oh shit like you can't defend this kid anymore is where like he was talking about like like shoes that were like he was getting for like 20 bucks and then selling them at a significantly higher margin because of his mom's discount or because being part of like the um the the secret list that you um that you you can access when you go to a nike store is not like yo this 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 kid it's like you can't really yeah, defend this kid i think because of the quantity that he was buying as well him and his friends like they're artificially inflating the price right because they're buying what are what in the sneaker world are called bricks right so like shoes that nobody yeah. wants that are like trash but yeah. then it's like if you guys notice this year for example nike dunks have made like a huge surge but it's like you could find those at walmart for like 60 dollars like five years ago like they're the shoes that nobody wanted and all of a sudden dunks are worth so much now it's become a whole thing. And it's like, I, I know that he definitely had at least three pages. He had like the West coast uh, sneakers. He, he, he was making $200,000 a month. 
That's insane. Yeah. Right, because he had a group, which is like the, the anatomy of the sneaker game is crazy. Now you have to get into what's called like a cook group because they have monitors that will look when a, ch- a company's URL actually changes on the back end, meaning they've uploaded sneakers. You get you fired up your bot that you bought for a couple of thousand dollars. You put in a couple of proxies, which means like a bunch of different internet addresses with different IPs. So you're going to you're gonna hit it from all angles. You're definitely going to get one. And then it's like, do you know what I mean? So it's a whole it's a whole machine. And it's like, the reason that he has so much is because he had these insane, like some bots cost like $10,000, mm-hmm. but, but it's worth it. Yeah. If you get, if you get three shoes that are like, if you get like a Nike, you know, a union Jordan four, which costs 200, yeah. but in retail sells for 2000, you sell five of those, you're making your money back. Yeah. So back to like, something you said, Ahmed, I think like, Oh, it, like what did they really do wrong? I think the major thing that they did wrong was she had a corporate card. It wasn't a Nike corporate card, but she had a corporate card, Amex, that he yeah. used to buy the shoes, right? And spent yeah. like an ungodly amount of money buying shoes on the corporate card in her name. So even yeah. though it's him buying the shoes, effectively, it's him buying the shoes. On paper, it's Ann Herbert buying shoes from Nike <laughs> to then resell for this reselling company, West Coast Shoes or whatever they're called, right? So um, like on a technicality, yeah, there's a lot of things wrong. It, effect like in effect like it really is him buying the shoes whatever right like uh, people can go ahead and have their argument but, about the merits of that right this so guy's just a sloppy just, criminal though right it's just sloppy, so yeah. sloppy it's, yeah. It's, it's like, yeah bro you're making like two hundred thousand dollars a month yeah. you can't pay your own phone bill and get your own credit card like yeah, what's wrong he's, slip, he's slipping and i think a lot of that yeah. is from like the the veil of protection that his mom's position afforded him yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's do practically do, what it is. Yeah, because I think like one thing that came to the surface with this specific story was like that executives play by different rules because there's forums. There was forums that I read about where like uh, retail employees, like this was like there was a zero tolerance policy. Like if like my neighbor that I was affiliated with was reselling Nikes, like I could potentially get fired. And then it feels like in this instance, it only like she only was like she only resigned, and we don't know that like, Nike hasn't released a statement or anything outside of the fact yeah. that she resigned. But I'm sure it had something to do with it. It's only because they got caught. Yeah, and well, and another think point about is, it, if you think about it, right? Like you're yeah. an executive of a major, major corporation, right? In a time of crisis, people look at look at you for leadership, right? Yeah, it's not, this isn't this isn't just cliche. Like it's actual thing. Like you employ people, so people look to you for leadership, right? On top of all that, you look at the times you're living in, right? And you look at the type of, uh, like, wear and, you know, style that Nike represents. The way that they're profiting off of Black culture, especially, you have a whole conversation about that. This looks bad on so many levels. To some people, it's a slap in the face, right? There are people literally dying for those shoes that he's... I mean, a lot of the shoes, like Colin said... A lot of shoes he's buying are bricks. Like no one cares about them one day, and then they're popular the next, right? But people are literally dying for Nikes. Right? Yeah, people so are actually like robbing, this. robbing each other. Yeah, exactly. like and they, uh, and, they, and they shouldn't. They and shouldn't. They should. <laughs> so there's a whole discussion, and I'm not arguing the merits of that. Yeah. That's a whole different discussion, but that's the that's a fact, right? I'm, t- I'm like that's a fact to support the yeah, opinion yeah. that like, yo, this guy's an idiot, and it's a slap in the face, right? So. Uh, I don't give a shit what he does with his money and how he does it. Like, I don't really care. But if someone's upset about that, you, you can't really be upset that they're upset, right? And the so, thing is, you got to understand, like, Joe Herbert is one of many, right? Like, he is one of many. There's a million Joe Herberts that nobody knows about. There's guys in Toronto who have 
insane amount of shoes, oh, yeah. right? Like you, you go onto the Everybody like, knows some, a guy like this, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like you, like I was trying to get kicks, right? I was trying to get more into it. I know one of my one of my cousins is like super into it, but like, bro, like it's it's insane, man. It's it's not he's not uncommon i think somebody to his scale is uncommon but there are guys who have like five kicks of the newest thing doesn't matter what it is like on a smaller scale it's like people can't get one so i think just the scale that he was doing it at was massive but there's a lot of other people who are quote-unquote violators if you view it as a violation doing that on a much smaller scale yeah yeah and i think um so there's a couple points one is that he i think he's 19 now but the company that he started he he the company that is in question started in yeah. 2017 so that would have yeah. made him like 15 16 right yeah so yeah i don't think you could start an llc at that age without support so I it think was started was, by his dad yeah his dad yeah. Was the, one so the family is intertwined in it so i'm mm-hmm. not like shocked yeah there's there's that point and then the other one is that uh i think we all alluded to it's like scalping whether it's tickets to a concert, whether it's tickets to a basketball game, whether um, it is a PS5, whether it's shoes, like it just leaves a bad taste in people's mouths, right? So we all know that it's part of the game. People make money off of it. I don't think we're we're gonna get into the debate about like the morality of it and all that stuff, but. Um, I don't think people feel sorry for people who uh, either lose out large sums of money or are in any unfortunate situations because people hate paying for something that they could have paid for face value a lot less, especially when there's unfair kind of tactics being used, right? Yeah. So you're like a single yeah. person on your in, uh, waiting. It's like I'm, the story I think about is like the OVO tickets, right? Like people just would every year it was like a ritual. Like people would be like, ah, they sold out in like 10 seconds. I sold out in like one minute, you know? So it's like, oh, they're back online. You can, but now they're double or triple the price, right? So I think it just rubs a lot of people the wrong way. So the fact that this story could have got more messy, I think it was in the best interest of both Nike and her to kind of part ways. Um, so ultimately, I think that's why that happened. But I can see why people are angry. Um, and nobody wants to pay like three times the price for something that was available 10 seconds ago because now some guy with a bot scooped up like a thousand of whatever the product is, right? Yeah. And I think also too for like the folks on the other side of the spectrum, I think it's a if you don't if you're not considering all the facts and you're looking at it just at face value, it's like why should she resign, right? But like I think to Callie's point, this guy was just like super arrogant, right? From like just sending out the statement to you know just like pretending and giving off the impression that he has like high profile connections and all of that, and yeah, it's just like it's kind of like he set a target on his back and. This was like kind yeah, of inevitable. Top 10 flex gone wrong. The only thing missing was him telling you that if you really work hard, you could do it too. Which I'm sure he did, right? No nuance, no nuance, right? Like, <laughs> no nuance. Hubris. Google it. His picture's <laughs> next to the definition. You know? In- incapable of reading the room. Yeah. 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 People say that with like the kind of conviction. Um, not acknowledging that there is a lot of luck that plays into that stuff. 
um, aside from even connections, obviously connections and privilege play into it. But yeah, I think uh, it just r- rubs people the wrong way. It's more cynical and, and, and the more inequality we're seeing and, and the rise in inequality, the more and more people have their um, eyes set on, on situations like this and the more vitriol you'll see being uh, spit out. Yeah. Yeah, nepotism at its finest. Um, but yeah, so we're, we're gonna we're gonna end it there, gentlemen. And you know, thank you so much for for your time today and for today's episode. Thanks for your perspectives. We we covered a lot of different materials, so it was really good to. It was really helpful seeing hearing your concise points. And for our listeners, thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. As always, we would. Love your feedback on how we can make this a better listening experience. Please leave your comments on our page at the Say Word podcast. And as always, if you found this insightful, we hope you learned a thing or two. We hope it made you think. And we look forward to having you join us for our next episode. Be safe, everyone. Now, if you enjoyed what you heard on today's episode of Say Word, please comment, share, and subscribe. Three simple steps for support go a long way.